This morning, I, I want to start with the conversation that I had with my wife this week, one of many. And I was thinking and ruminating about things and in the past and decisions I've made and things I've done and the way that I do church. And, you know, I, I, I question myself about my life and my motives all the time. I think that's what that table's really about, the thoughts and the intents of our heart and, and questioning and examining ourselves, lest we slip, as Paul put it, and I taught you last week, lest we slip. And it's easy to slip. So I was asking, as I was talking to her, I said, you know, I'm thinking about all the people and the way that I've handled things because there's times when I have to sit people down. Of course, the word judgment is banned and illegal to use in churches anymore. Y'all know that, right? Because our culture has the, somehow adapted to a deep need to always see ourselves in a positive light. I know what batteries are. I have batteries. I have batteries in my car. And I know this. If you just have two positive posts on your battery, there's no power. You hear me? It's a universal law. Without the negative, there is no power to, I don't care how positive you are. And it's criticism and judgment are two characteristics that it takes to become great and have a great character. And we're not allowed to tell anybody that anymore. We're not allowed to rebuke people anymore. My God. There's a terrible thing worse than COVID ever was. It's called thin skin. I said it's called thin skin. People cannot accept the fact that you might see them in a light different than what you're trying to project. Oh, my God, this is already good preaching. I'll preach at the drop of the hat. I'll drop the hat, and I'll pass the hat. Hallelujah. There's people that have been in our church I mean with loving, long patience, and, and long suffering, and that I have had to say, look, you can't sing up here anymore. You can still come to church right now, but you can't sing on this platform anymore because you can't live in woeful sin. There was a lady in our church, she first came to our church, she had severe marital problems, Yahweh used me to help her and her husband get things restored. And it was a beautiful thing, and they got involved in our church, and, and uh, I really helped her learn how to minister in song. And she was a good singer, man. And so, but then she continued to, you know, she started smoking pot again, and she began to get away from God, slipped, as you say it. And I was patient with her, and uh, I treated her like a daughter, I can't do that much anymore because if I do, people won't, they'll leave. If I really love people the way they need to be loved, they will leave. Y'all hear me? So I have to make this choice. And this is where my conversation with Bevy comes in. Okay. Now, Johnny, what do you, how do you, how do you want to handle this? Come to find out the girl, she left her husband. It's a long story, but she left her husband, went to work for a man who was a friend, longtime friend of mine and who was very well off. His, his wife had passed away. She became his secretary. She wound up uh, moving in with him. And when I found out, I said, listen, you can't sing. 
For right now you can sit, but even if you continue living in, in adultery, I can't let you come to the church anymore. And most people think that I'm very bad for doing that. You wait, what are you doing? Don't you love people? I do love them. So she couldn't sing anymore, so guess what she did? She wasn't interested in sitting. She wanted to go sing. So she starts going to this guy's church who's a deacon, who's a deacon. He's living with his secretary, and I'm sure they're not just taking naps together. So now she's singing at their church. Am I jealous of that? Yes. Why? Because that was my spiritual daughter, and I'm sad because of it. And that's one of the reasons I despise American Christianity and modern Christianity in the American church. They don't care. I had a couple here one time, years, and I was so patient, so patient. Years, years and years and years. Come to my attention, they, had, they, they haven't given a penny to the church in over five years. Not a penny. And they were in type of leadership, up here, back there. So I approached them. He repented. Next week, he had a tithe check in. And so then, after that, nothing else. So I'm trying to be patient with him. You know, the, the hardest thing I've ever heard my brother say was at lunch one time, and he got his fist and he hit the table and said, that you need to do something about those. I've never seen him that angry. I said, I know. You're right. So I set him down. They never came back to church. Not tithing and go straight to another church doing the same thing they're doing here. So what do you, what do you feel about that? That hurts my feelings. People you love and you walk with and you find out they're not serious. They're not earnest about the things of God. So I told my wife, well, maybe I should just let people live in willful sin and not correct them. I'm not talking about somebody overtaken in a fault. I'm not talking about somebody who was, was, uh, falls into temptation. We, how many of you, we all do that, right? And she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, nah, I don't think so. Because I have a mandate and I'm here representing the king that's coming soon. Now, don't you listen to me close. I'm representing the king that's coming soon. There's people I know they want to play, but they don't want to pay. And I ain't just talking about money. Money's a minor thing. All I know, if you're serious about something, money can get involved quickly. You start falling in love with that little pretty thing, guys. I know what you're going to do. You're going to start breaking the wallet. You will go to your employer. Hey, can I get a, uh, my check a little early this week? Because I done spent my money on my sweet thing. You got a car you want or anything you want. It involves money, so it's really we're talking about a heart thing. See, I understand this. I preach a very uninviting gospel, and I'm going to tell you why I do. You want to know why I do? Because Yeshua preached a very uninviting gospel. I lit, is that a Stanley? i got to interrupt you all right here. My granddaughter asked for a Stanley Mug. I said, I got one in the closet. It's green. It's got a silver top on it. They're the same people that make t measuring tapes. Oh, they want a Stanley. I found out now. See why it's like a girly Stanley. I didn't know they had the feminine edition. I told my wife, just give her mine. Let's see what happens. Stanley. People are asking me, 
you know, about my messages. Man, I don't agree with what you teach. I said, really? What the God Almighty? You don't agree with this? Have you never read the Bible? All I'm doing is stealing Yeshua's sermons. I'm stealing Yeshua's sermons. This didn't come out of somewhere in the deep corridors of my darkened mind that I've got this personality problem that I'm just mean or I want to do that and act this way. I'm just copying him. I just love it that he don't have any copyright. What do you call it when you steal somebody else's material? That's it. I'm plagiarizing Jesus. I confess. Unlike modern Christianity, that they, they bring you and offer you an invitation to come and what? Let this present life, we're going to fix your present life. Number one, they're liars. I said, number one, they're liars. They cannot fix this present life. Your Jesus can't fix your dying. Okay, I said I'm going to be at like this today. <sighs> Lamaze. <sighs> I got you an invitation to come and get saved. And this is the only invitation there is. It's not about you getting anything except forgiven and getting the opportunity to please God. That's all he's offering you. Now, there's a, there are effects that come from that, but the effects don't come until you come and do two things. I'm going to exchange my life for his life. That's what I'm doing. Here, I, here. No longer I that liveth, the Christ that liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. In other words... I am no longer everything that I am. I'm going to give him my life, and I'm going to, he's going to give me his life. There's no other, no, there's no other altar call than that. Well, what, do, what comes along with that? Are there any perks with that? Yeah, I'll tell you, if you buy today, we'll give you two for the price of one, and we'll throw in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Olin Mills uh, portrait appointment for the whole family or something like that, a free keychain. I'll tell you, <laughs> I figured. I'm here. What I want to do is people are looking for their destiny. I know your destiny. I can tell you right now. It's easy. It's twofold. What am I, am I destined to be a lawyer? Am I destined to be? No, no, no this is what you're destined to be. You can, number one, you've got to understand this, that you were created for his pleasure. Say it to you. I wasn't created for my pleasure. It never was. That never was the plan. Never was the idea. Not for me. I was created to please God. And y'all, right now in this house, we have a great opportunity to please Yahweh. Look beside you. People ain't sitting here today. You know why? Because they don't understand the terms. They think that somehow they didn't make the great exchange. They don't understand that you have to die to yourself. That's what water baptism means. Now it means nothing. We'll just baptize anybody. We'll just let anybody sing up here. We'll just let anybody run the sound. We'll let anybody be a deacon. We'll let anybody be a pastor. We, we'll let anybody do anything because I don't want to judge you because that means you're going to judge me back. Well, I say, let the righteous smite me. Please judge me. Please correct me. Please show me the error of my ways. You were created for his pleasure. This is your destiny. Number two, 
You were predestined. Not only is your destiny, but before you were ever born, uh, before anything happened, not that you existed, but the plan of God is that you were predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, Yeshua. Y'all listen to me. You ain't, you're, not, you're not predestined to be formed in any other image worship. I'm, the, I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a that. I'm the other. This is how I'm identifying. I have this. No, you are destined. There's your destiny. If you want to fulfill your destiny, that's what you do. You understand you were born and created to please God and that you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Yahshua. Anything short, listen to me, of that is it is a guaranteed life of disappointment. Because nothing will satisfy you, and the next thing you know, you're just slipped away. I've already said this. I couldn't wait to it. And I said, Johnny, why do you preach the way you do? I said, well, I'll tell you a secret. I steal my sermons from Yeshua. And if he was here, and if he was here, and if he was here today, when he was here, and if he was here today, he would be preaching just like me. He may not spit and do all that kind of stuff. I, I think he was more radical than... The little humble little white boy, little soft guy, you know. Well, you know, I just hope if you don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings or nothing, you generation of vipers. He was there to please God. He didn't care about pleasing men. He didn't care about etiquette. He didn't care about that stuff. What did God want him to do? That's what I'm going, I'm going to do. I'll show you what I mean. i got to tell you this story. Whenever we used to go, I don't see, Vero's not here today. She's in the back. Linda, testify for me here, okay? You're going to testify. Whenever Bevy and I would go on vacation or something or out of town for a couple of days or leave the house for over, overnight, my wife cannot leave the house without everything being cleaned up. No dishes in the sink. No, oh, it's got everything. My wife's the kind of woman, if after a while, if something's been on my table there too long, she'll get a garbage can and she does this. I said, honey, I've got a check for a million dollars. Please don't throw it away. You know, guys, you got that chair in the, in the room, or maybe it's a piece of exercise equipment. They said it's what it was. We thought it was a clothes hanger. And you got those clothes there. Like, I'm going to wear this later. And you come home, and they're in dirty clothes. I was, I was just going to wear that day. Don't put them up there. So we would go out of town, and I'm, I liken Bevy unto Yahshua. You like that, honey? Without the beard. We would travel out of town. She cleaned that whole house and threatened my daughters that when she returns, I must go away, she said. And if I re I, when I return, this house better be in ship, shape, condition. Or there's going to be trouble. We would check out of a hotel or something. That house better be spotless when I get home. Am I lying? I'm telling you. It scared me. I was like, oh, no. She's calling them. That's what Yahshua. He gone to heaven with his father. And he's got us clean. He cleaned us white as snow. There's no dishes, dirty dishes anymore in our sink. And he's coming back. And when he comes back, you better have your house spotless. Or there's trouble coming. Y'all hear me? 
That's what this is all about. There, honey. My Lord and Savior. Yahshua told Peter. He said, look, there's going to be many people who are going to want to enter the kingdom. But they're not going to be able to. Why not? Because they're not earnest about it. I think last week I talked Ernest P. World, didn't I? They don't give enough energy to it. They give energy to everything else, make these big plans and all that. But to come to the ecclesia and to, to do what God says and love somebody and help somebody in their way uh, in our ecclesia, they just don't, we're just caught off by the cares of life. Paul said this, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we would let them slip. Let me tell you what the word earnest means. More superabundant in number, degree, or character. More abundant, greater, much more, over much. So in other words, we are to give more, much more, superabundant heed to the godly things and spiritual things than we are for these temporal, perishable things. Y'all hear me? Y'all with me today? Can't see you out there too good. Many fail to attend to the things and demands of Christ and his ecclesia in this earnest way. They, they, they get the kingdom. Okay. Oh, yeah, we like that teaching, whatever. But they got all these other things that they put first. God don't get their best mental time and physical time and principal time. But, but they use it to the promotion of, of objects that are even... They don't even have nothing to do with having to work, pay your bills, and feed your family. I'm talking about stuff way beyond that. And Yahshua is telling us today, I'm on my way, and you better get your priorities straight, or there's going to be trouble. So I'm going to preach another one of Yahshua's sermons this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verses 42 and 48. He didn't preach that way, I'll tell you. And Yahshua said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master is going to be a long time in his coming. And begins to beat the slaves and men and women and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes, or as we learned last week, it's the term hard beating. But the one who did not know it but he committed deeds worthy of a flogging, he's only going to receive a few lashes or a light beating. Listen close. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they trusted much, 
of him they will also ask the more. So I'm thinking, if you'll look back on this year, all I've been doing is taking sermons by Yahshua that if he was here and he was the apostle of this church, this is the kind of sermons you would be hearing. You wouldn't be hearing how to be successful, how to make more money, how to build bigger barns. You wouldn't hear none of that except in the sense that he said, don't do it. This is kind of preaching you would have and are getting. So this, like many, many, many others of these parables, what would you title this sermon today if that was the Scripture passage and is the Scripture passage and you were having to title it for me? If, Doug, if you were like Doug, I forgot to give him the title of this message, which is titled One of Yahshua's Sermons. I start to say another one of Yahshua's Sermons. What would you put a title? What would you title your message on the passage of Scripture I just read to you? Think about it. Expectations generate actions. Don't change the title to what I got, even if you really like these, Doug, okay? How about this morning's message is going to be rewards and consequences? How about the eat, drink, and get drunk club? How about it's all about the heart? How about the accountability of a steward? I like this one. Coming day of get what you got coming. That's a good one, ain't it? Greater privilege produces greater responsibility. You can name it whatever we wanted to do. But Yahshua, when he preached, he used parables. How many of you know that? How many of you know that? What other sermons that, did Yahshua preach that have similar characteristics or a similar message or a similar theme? Are y'all ready? The two builders, the wheat and the tares, the dragnet, the unforgiving servant, the wicked vine dressers, the two sons, the wedding feast, ten virgins, the talents, the absent landowner, two, the creditor and two debtors, the rich fool, the watchful service, the unjust steward, the rich man and Lazarus, the, the ten minuses. These all preach this message. Whole repertoire. If you go on Yeshua's website, every one of these messages deal with the same subject. And that's it. You better get ready. Now, Besides, I didn't want to go over every one of those, excuse me. But he was always talking about the kingdom, getting ready for the kingdom, that the king was coming back and you better be ready. You hear me? That's his whole message. Never get, say your prayers, get ready to die and go to heaven. He never preached any of that. He preached one thing. Look, I'm going to, I'm the king of a kingdom. I'm going to go away and I'm going to let you do what you're going to do for me while you're here, for me. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to judge to determine whether you can rule with me or not. That's the message. I would have to say 90% of everything that Yahshua over and over and over preached. And that's why this year I decided I'm going to do what Yahshua said. Maybe I can get a little results too. I want better results than, him when, than he got because everybody left him but the disciples. I'm making myself ready today. Storing up food. Selling all I got. Because if I wind up like Yahshua, I'm going to be bagging groceries down at Publix. You know I don't believe that. But I'm making a point. How many of you ever heard the term mina? Plural be minus, M-I-N-A-S. I know, because it's just not something that we read. Hey, how many of you knew that Georgia lost yesterday? See, those, those are what the world feeds us. We know all about that. And that's not wrong, except if it, these things come and we don't know the scriptures. So I'm going to teach you today so you won't be, have to not know this.
It's Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 25. It's another one of the perils that Yahshua is teaching about the one thing he taught about and preached over and over and over and over and over again. You would think that if you die and go to heaven, Yahshua would spend time talking about it. Why don't he talk about it? That always bothered me. He's teaching about the coming kingdom of Yahweh on the earth. This parable about the Minuses, M-I-N-A, is Yahshua's final trip coming into Jerusalem. And people, as he was traveling that road to Jerusalem, let me tell you what most people thought. <clears throat> See, we think we're dying and going to heaven. What they thought back then that was erroneous is they thought that Yahshua the king had come and he was going to set up the kingdom now. They didn't know. Look, no, y'all ain't going to heaven. He said, I'm going to heaven. That's the only going to heaven Yahshua preached about for any man. Y'all hear me? All right, hang on. And everybody was excited because they're going to get something for themselves in the now. Right now, I'm going to get something right now. What am I get? Well, you get this. If you do that, maybe God will do this. If you do that. And the very premise of what God wants is us to do things because we love him. The only reason that he puts a, a small number, a bottom line number on our, our finances is because we're, we, if, we, if we don't, then we will be like a kid that don't take the garbage out when they, they're supposed to. Or they don't clean their room when they're supposed to. It's a training thing. It's really, it's really potty training. So they, were going, they believed he was on his way to Jerusalem, of course, to do what? To set up his earthly kingdom right then. But Luke 18.33 told us the real reason that he was going to Jerusalem, and that is this, so he could die. That's not a very inviting king. That's not inviting gospel. We believe and have been waiting for this guy to come. You're come, and you're going to die. They did not understand the plan of God and resurrection from the dead and eternal judgments, the last two foundational principles. So what he would do, and he, would, he, he used this sermon or this parable to dispel any hopeful rumors that the time of the kingdom have arrived. No, you're not going to heaven when you die. That's what I'm dispelling, okay? He was dispelling, no, I'm not setting up the kingdom now. So in the parable, he tells a story of a nobleman that leaves for a foreign country in order to be made king. Before he left, he gave 10 minus to 10 of his servants. This is Luke 19, 12, and 13. A mina is a, a lot of money. My study said it's about three months' wages at the time. And the future king said this to his servants. Say king, say servants. Servant isn't just a little word. It means servant. Please God. You please your master. He said, take this money and put it to work. When? Till when? Till I come back. However, the man's subjects, these servants, hated this guy. And in Luke 19, they sent a word to him and they said, look, we reject your kingship. We reject it. We don't accept. We're not going to acknowledge that you are the king. We're our own king. So when the man was crowned king, in spite of what they thought or what they wanted to believe or was in self-denial about, he returned to his homeland, and guess what he did? He began to set things right. He gone, there better not be no dishes in that sink. He called the ten servants to whom he had, listen, y'all better get this word, 
This is a problem. Listen, who he had loaned the ten minuses to. It's a problem. We think that it's our stuff. Ain't nothing here yours. Your breath ain't even yours. Your next, your next minute isn't yours. You own nothing, and you'll see the day when your breath's gone. Well, you won't see. You won't know. He loaned. He called them in about who, and each gave an account of how they'd used the money. The first servant showed that his miner had earned ten more. King said, well done, good and faithful servant, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. I'm going to make you in charge of ten cities. What's the else you were talking about, guys? The kingdom on earth. The next servant's investment had yielded five additional minuses. And that servant was rewarded with five cities. Then came a servant and reported he had done nothing with his mina except hide it in a cloth. And this was his reason. I, I was afraid of you. I want to say, I, I used to think, well, that means I'm afraid that, that I will get in trouble with you and, and that uh, you're going to you know, do something. No, let me tell you what I think it means. For me, I'm afraid of what he's asking me to do. Instead of having no fear, I mean, having fear, and then but obeying God, knowing he's God, and if I do the right thing, I'm scared to tithe. I'm scared to take my time off. I'm scared to do what he really asked me to do. He was afraid because you are a hard man. You take out of what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. It's true. Why? Because he owns us. It's his money. It's his life. You gave it in exchange. It's no longer yours. So what he's going to do, he's going to invest, and he's going to take more out than what he's put in. I hope to God today, Joey, that God is going to be able to take a lot more out of me than he's put into me. King responded to the servant's description of him as watch, hard. <laughs> Let me give y'all a secret. Can I give y'all a secret? This is a good trick to know. Whatever you call Yahweh, that's who he'll be to you. Y'all hear me? Listen to me close. Listen to me. God's hard. Bump. God can't do anything. Where are you at, God? Okay, I'm not anywhere then. Y'all listen to me. This is a key to temporal success, if we're going to talk about that a little bit. You're hard. He said, you're a wicked servant. He took his mind away from him, and he gave it to the guy who had 10. In verses 25 and 26, listen to this. Bystanders. Y'all know the bystanders? The bystanders are the people who want to play but don't pay. The bystanders are the people that, that don't have no commitment. They have no life giving. They, they don't give nothing. They just stand by and criticize this. Ah, oh, you're doing that. I can't believe you do that. I wouldn't do that. I mean, you don't know people like that. And this is what they said. Excuse me, sir. They already have 10. Why are you giving his one? And this is what Yahshua said. In my mind, okay, this is the Johnny version in my little brain. Look, stupid. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But if the one who has nothing, even what they have, I'm going to take it away from them. I believe that most people's problems who say they're Christians is self-inflicted. Why don't, why are they, why are they the world better off than me? You know, let me tell you what, because they're only getting a light beating. And, and God always giving your, giving your butt 
a hard beating. You know why? Because that's who he is. That's how he works. Little old Jesus, though, he just loves you. He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. That's bull. I don't know what book they ever read. He said, if you don't hate everything, everybody, and even your own life, you cannot be a disciple. Like I told the story about my little friend, you know. I said, yeah, he, said, he loves you. He does love you. But he loved every person that drowned in Noah's day, too. Finally, the king commanded that his enemies, those that rebelled against his authority, bring them to me. Luke 19. You rebelled against my authority, and guess what he did? The Bible says, right there in the king's presence, they were executed. This is Yahshua preaching. This is her sermon, Joey. I'm throwing a little bit of me in there because I can't help myself. Yahshua teaches several things. Is what he's doing, and what he's talking about is the millennial kingdom coming and the time leading up to it. This is what he taught. It's what he preaches. As Luke 19 indicates, Joshua's most basic point as, is number one, guys, the kingdom ain't going to appear immediately. There's going to be a period of time which the king, moi, him, is going to be absent before the kingdom's going to come and be set up. This nobleman in the parable is Yeshua talking about himself who left the world but who will return as king someday. The servants the king charges with a task represent us. Our king has given us a valuable commission and we must be faithful and serve him until he returns. Upon his return, Yeshua will ascertain to the faithfulness of his own people, Romans 14. There's a work to be done, John 9, and we must use what God has given us for his glory. There are promised rewards for those who are faithful in this charge. Now, this is really the enemies that rejected the king in the parable. He's referring to, uh, uh, it's representative of the Jewish nation in that time that rejected Yahshua while he was on the earth. And, and, but it also represents everybody who still denies him today. Denies him what? His kingship. I don't deny the Lord Jesus. Yeah, you do. Because he demands some things, and you deny him of that. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I, I know, I know what Johnny says. I know, but I, ain't, I just ain't going to do that. I ain't got time. I'm too busy. I got things to do. When Yeshua returns to establish his kingdom, one of the very first things he's going to do is utterly defeat every enemy. You ever heard that saying, and it's not nice to fool Mother Nature? You ever heard that saying before? Listen to this. It does not pay to fight against the king of kings. So what's the context of this parable? He's dealing with them about the concern that they're having for the future because they were thinking and believing that what I'm saying, that they're going to go to heaven. That's what I'm doing. He had to defend the fact, what, what about our future? What's going to happen? And this is the problem. Too much concern focused on the physical and present. And Yahshua is redirecting them, say, okay, look, you're all talking about you want this in the present, now in the physical realm. Look, I got to get your focus back on the spiritual and eternal and the real. That's what I do every Sunday. 
every Sunday because I'm going to tell you we are in a battle. Y'all hear me? We're in a battle of our own selfishness, our own desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. I got to say it. I got to warn you. I got to do it. I, I try to refocus you to put God back in your priority list as number one. Or you're going to have problems. And I'm telling you, this is what Yeshua said is going to happen to you. Look, I'm sad that people I had to sit down left. I'm sad about that. But I'm not, that didn't make me as sad as when you stand before Yeshua and I'm standing there. And you, you get to depart from me. There's nothing worse than that. Sadly, those people will probably not get their will done. I can't judge them before the time the Bible says. I'm not trying to. But I know this. People don't leave this church but for one reason. And that is they don't want to obey God. That's the bottom line. You can't sit down and get your life right. Let me, look, if you're dying with cancer, can I help you? He's specifically teaching us to be prepared for his coming. How? By faithfully obeying his commands and being watchful and ready for his return. Nothing is going to matter on that day. Nothing's going to matter. It, your wife ain't even going to matter. Your children aren't going to matter. Initially, in the face of that, it's not going to matter. So what's the main elements of this parable? And what do, does each represent? Okay, you ready? Now, see, I'm trying to break this parable down real good for us today. There's a faithful and sens sensible steward. Who is that? A faithful and obedient ecclesian. In the house of God on the Lord's day, tithing and ministering and giving their gift that you always given to help edify us and help us. The master in this parable, of course, is the Yahshua who is the king. Some were put in charge. What's that? Leaders in the ecclesia. The other servants are the body. Now, the ones in charge were the body also. Remember that. He said they gave them their rations. What does that mean? This faithful steward, this sensible steward, they, they did what obey God and gave the other servants rations. What is that? It's the bread that we break and give to other people. We meet other people's needs. We, we operate in the ministry gift to help people as we gather here, first and foremost. The, the manifestation of the Spirit is first and foremost in the ecclesia. And it's to help edify the body, which you are part of. I tell you what I love. You know, uh, I watched part of that game yesterday, and, and uh, you know, I got Georgia friends that are pouting and stuff, but you know, they just got beat, the part I saw. But I tell you what I loved. I love what the quarterback for Alabama said. He was preaching my song. He was preaching ecclesia. He was preaching about team. He was preaching about one. Everybody doing their part. Uh, everybody working hard, Joel. They actually come to practice. We don't even come to practice. I'm talking about winning the ultimate championship. You think that SEC championship is going to mean anything when Yahshua comes and they get nothing? And there I'm going to be with a big old ring and a crown, the Bible says. And I'm going to sing, we are the champions, my friend. Because I think the, the game I'm in makes the others irrelevant. They're rations. The proper time. What's the proper time? When Yahshua returns. He's going to put you in charge. What? He's going to give us the responsibility of the millennial kingdom. 
And he's going to give us all his, he's in charge of all his kingdom stuff, all his possessions right now. He says in his heart, true convictions are lack thereof. I'm talking about lazy, unbelieving perspective. He's going to be away a long time. It don't matter. It's not important right now. I'm not earnest enough about beating the slaves. Every time you ain't here, you're beating the slaves. Every time you don't pray for us, every time you don't tithe, every time you don't please God, you're beating the slaves here. That's what it means. Eat, they eat and drink and get drunk. Just wallowing in the lust of their flesh, their mourns is concerned with that and committed to that. I, years ago, I asked what it meant, the scripture. I, I mean, this was back in the old praise church building. The term given to wine, what does that mean? And this is what, after the studying all the Greek, back history and all that, and I believe confirmed by the Holy Spirit, it means this, and this, is, this will date it. We can't be a people who are always just looking forward to Miller time. We've traded, we've traded prayer time for Miller time, and that's why he got problems. He's going to come in a day when he does not expect him, because not even Yahshua don't even know he's coming back. An hour he does not know. Yeshua was going to return probably right in the middle of us doing something stupid. When I start being tempted about something, this first thing I say, you know what's going to happen after all I've done? Here I am, I'm going to choose to do this sin. And dadgummit, if Yahshua won't just come at that very moment. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that that way? I'm like, hey, you know, oh, no, He's going to come and I'm, I'm just waste all this stuff. He said he's going cut, to cut them to pieces. That's God's righteous judgment and punishment administered. Let me tell you all something. Don't weaken the punishment that you're going to get on that day because you ain't going to burn in hell forever. You're going to get beat hard. And it'll begin now in our disobedience. And then I believe... Absolutely, one of the punishments is going to be psychological torment. And I don't want to get into all that. We'll get into about do uh, all that go to the second death. Do they go there immediately? I mean, but it, it, to me, it doesn't matter because you can't, you can't get right just because you're afraid. I mean, you know, by fear or something. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. That can't make you be repentant. That's what I'm saying. You get a sign with the unbelievers. God's righteous judgment, righteous judgment and punishment. They knew his master's will to do what God said for us to do. They did not get ready or act. They were unprepared and disobedient. According with his will, obedience to his scriptures and his word. They received many lashes. There it is again. God's righteous judgment and punishment administered. One who did not know it. An unbeliever who's not knowledgeable of the gospel. Committed deeds worthy of flogging. A sinner who should have did things wrong, but they're only going to receive a few because they didn't know the right thing to do. They're just going to get punishment. And here's the principle that he taught, and I taught his message last week. Much is going to be required. That means you've got a greater responsibility. To whom they've entrusted much, one who's been made responsible, they will ask all the more, Greater responsibility. The more you're blessed, the more you're accountable to God and have a greater responsibility. I'm a steward of the knowledge and possessions 
that Yahweh has temporarily given me, and so are you. Our faithfulness is rewarded with increased honor and responsibility of the future. Our decisions and actions are based on our beliefs. And the more we have received and the greater revelation we have and greater blessings that we have, the more is required. And that's how God's wrath will be proportioned and dispensed. People who think that life is about fulfilling their lustful, lustful pleasures now, they're going to be very disappointed. Yahshua is going to return at an unexpected time. He's saying that our heart is the basis of my actions, and when God looks at us, uh, at our hearts, that's how he judges us. And that parable has taught us that ignorance is not justification for obedience. This morning, I tried to take that scripture. I'll let you in on my secret. You know, I've been stealing Yahshua's scriptures, and I got honest, I've stole Paul's stuff and Moses and John, and I've stole so much stuff, man. What am I again? Y'all called it? I'm a plagiarizer, man. I'll take it in a minute. I'll say Joel said it, and the next time I'd say, I, I have, like I always said, <laughs> whatever it takes. I'll try to break this down let you see that 90% of everything Yahshua preached was this. And if it was good enough for for Paul and Silas, it was good enough for me. If that changed people's life, if Yahshua believed that that was the gospel that, we need, that would change people's lives, then that's when I want to preach. And if I don't attract people by offering them a vacuum cleaner or a raffle ticket, I don't care. Because I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. I'm here, I was created for that. That's my destiny. And nothing else satisfies me and gives me pleasure than the opportunity to please him. Every time my will crosses his will, I love the fact, oh, I got an opportunity to please God. It's just like if you've got a, a boss and you want to get up that ladder. I saw a cartoon the other day on the far side. Y'all know what the far side is? I, it, it comes on my Facebook. I'm like a friend or whatever you call it. Subscribe. I, was, I, I love the guy. And there was, there, there was Santa Claus in, in a, through a doorway at the office in, at a desk. And the other, the other reindeers were standing right here. And there was one reindeer standing in the doorway. Hey, Santa, I know it's time to go home. Is there anything else you ever need or you need me to do for you or, or uh, you know, stay late or anything? And they called him uh, Rudolph the Brown-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> hey, I want to I brown-nose God. Is that scriptural? Let me see. I don't think Jesus preached that. He did say, he said, I'm here to come to do the will of my father. So when I'm attacking and want to be tempted and get off track, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Do I want to please him or not? And it empowers me to overcome that temptation. Is this going to please him or not? I want to please him. God, I'm going to tell you why. Because I want to win that championship. Y'all hear me? I'm not as competitive as I used to be about sports and all that kind of stuff, but I have not lost my competitive nature when it comes to winning it all. And if I want to, I don't want to say, hey, here's a guy that's, if I could block him, then we'll get a touchdown. And I decide, I don't want to block him. 
That's what happens every time my will crosses God's will. I'm going to block him because I, I want the touchdown. I thought I'd get on some of y'all's level this morning. Y'all hear the words of Yeshua? Hey, thank y'all for listening.